Edgy talk. Plain talk. Unrivaled talk. Talk radio. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham at the home of Common Sense Talk Radio where there is once more an awful lot of news to digest and an awful lot of stories to talk about. First up, we've got Rwanda, the new destination for illegal migrants seeking asylum in the UK. Chrissy Patel is signing a deal with the Rwandan Foreign Minister Vincent Baruta later this morning, which will mean all male arrivals on dinghies on the south coast of this country will be put on a plane and flown to the African Republic. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has finally answered calls from his critics and the many millions of people who voted for him to do something about the thousands of illegals flocking to our shores each and every day. Only yesterday I was saying he needs to sort out the immigration problem, he needs to sort out the net zero obsession and he needs to sort out the cost of living. Last year 28,000 people made the journey and are currently being housed at our expense to the tune of £5 million a day. While the Human Rights Brigade are already weeping and wailing about how cruel that is, much of the country will be rejoicing that finally something is being done to stop the population from growing at the rate of a medium-sized town every single year. At the start of this year, the numbers were even higher, and there could be 60,000 coming this year if they're not prevented from coming. Now, there are plenty of critics out there. Ben Habib uh, we'll be talking to later on. He doesn't think it's a great idea. Boris will address the nation around about 10.25 this morning. We'll bring that to you live, of course. 03444991000. First up, John Redwood is here as well. Uh, We'll get his opinion on a host of subjects, including the Rwanda plan, the energy crisis, his party gate and of course the increased tax we're all paying as inflation hits seven percent david woody's checking in from the sun on sunday following hot on the heels of the news that the information commissioner's office has ditched an investigation into the leaking of that matt hancock video from his office with his lover gina colladangelo and commentator richard taylor will be asking why on earth tony blair wants to bomb russia for heaven's sake helen dale's here as well she'll tell us how the australian model works and of course even though you won't be able to see it it's the thursday club with helena nicholas she's going to bring us some malbec to enjoy 0344 499 1000 uh, we need your calls as well you'll listen to me mike graham on the fastest growing radio station on the planet of course it will soon be talk tv it's talk radio the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A very good morning to all of you. And if you are struggling to find us on YouTube, it's simply that we are not there. We're coming back with a bang uh, on uh, April the 25th. So look out for that. In the meantime, we are still available to listen to on DAB Plus and also on all of the other devices and all of the other apps that you listen to as normally anyway. Right now, let's talk to Sir John Redwood, MP, Conservative MP, of course, for Wokingham. Sir John, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Now, uh, so much to talk about this morning, John. I don't know where to start, really. Do you want to give us your view first up? I know you want to talk about inflation and you want to, the energy crisis, tax and all of that, which we'll get to. But what's your... Yeah, that's en- what I want to do, Mike, because in- I think that's what people are really worried about, and rightly so. The, we don't need a big tax rise on top of the big energy squeeze, and we need more action to get oil and gas out the ground and to be more self-reliant. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. But just before we get to all of that very important stuff, can I get your reaction first on the plan unveiled today, or which will be unveiled today, uh, by Priti Patel and Boris Johnson, uh, sending illegal migrants to Rwanda? Well, I, I want, want to see the detail and I hope it works. And what, what I want to do is for the government to be able to control and get rid of this evil trade across the channel. I think it's quite wrong. Uh, that economic migrants uh, spend money on taking illegal crossings at considerable risk to themselves, and they are exploited by those who run these evil businesses. And and so far, the government agencies haven't been able to carry out ministerial instructions to close that trade down. So this is another idea which may act as a deterrent to people embarking on the crossing in the first place. Yes. And that's what, what it looks like. Yeah, I think finally people... I mean, I was saying yes, just yesterday, John, funnily enough, in the midst of all of the, uh, the, the hoo-ha over the fines and, and the Downing Street parties and all the rest of it, that, you know, Boris Johnson needs to get back to basics. And I forgive me for using that phrase. I know it didn't go down too well for John Major. But at the end of the day, um, you know, people want to stop illegal immigration. They want a return to some form of cost of living that they can handle, like inflation at 7%, way too high, get it down. Similarly... Uh, They don't want this kind of obsession with net zero to drive every single thing that we do. That's right. Um, They want a bit of balance and realism. Uh, And when the the big issues are pressure on housing and uh, taking more and more land to build homes, 
Uh, we need to make sure that the people we invite into our country are genuine asylum seekers in need of help or people with the skills that we need for our economy. We do need to reduce the number of economic migrants. And to do that, you need proper control over the borders. And, and I think ministers have been fighting a valiant battle, but the courts and the lawyers uh, always seem to find a loophole and manage to um, make sure that more people stay in the country for longer against the the intended plan of the policy. Our policy is a very good one. We're very sympathetic to genuine refugees uh, and they need to be fast-tracked and looked after. Uh, and there are certain categories of people with skills that we need to invite in. And I, I don't mind inviting in um, really rich people who want to invest and spend their money in Britain either. I think it's good to have a non-don scheme. Uh, but what we don't want uh, is a very large number of additional economic migrants. Yes. And that's what the government has to stop. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Because we now have a, a, a bill of £5 million a day, uh, every single day, uh, as more and more people get put up in these hotels. I'm told that they are going to be ending that particular policy as well. Um, but I wonder as well what will happen. 28,000 people came last year. Uh, upwards of around about five to 6,000 have come already this year. Uh, what happens to them? Well, indeed, and, and we need good answers on that because it isn't what government ministers wanted because they, they wanted more effective border controls so that people are deterred from carrying out the journey or, or from making asylum claims which have no basis in fact. Um, and then they're caught in a dilemma, aren't they? Because the ministers don't want to automatically say to people, well, then you can have a job because we don't want to pay all your bills because then the people get exactly what they're not legally entitled to and, and they break the system. Mm. But if you don't let them work, then it's a really big uh, increase in expenditure for British taxpayers. And of course, it's all pressure on housing. Yes. So there's no substitute really for the border authorities for having proper control over the borders uh, and for people who want to be economic migrants having to apply in advance and only coming where they meet one of the categories which is likely to be approved. Yes, I really think that um, people have had enough you know we keep hearing that the British, British people are a very tolerant people which we are very welcoming people which we are but there's an awful lot of people that have come to this country immigration uh, both legal and illegal over the past 10 years which has boosted the numbers of this country massively right and you know as well as I do John if you're trying to find a doctor or a dentist uh, or find a place to park your car you know everything sort of seems to be rammed all the time because there's so many people here and I think there has to be a point at which we say enough is enough. Well, indeed. And as I say, I, I do want us to be a generous country and, and we, we should uh, take a good share of genuine asylum seekers fleeing more, as with the Ukrainian situation at the moment, for example. Uh, but what we've instead had is a lot of people coming from perfectly safe countries who just think they've got a better opportunity of picking up a home and a job here uh, when they didn't fit into the original legal categories. Uh, and that's something we've got to adjust because... You're absolutely right, Mike. Um, if you're going to invite in 250, 300,000 extra people a year, uh, that is a huge number of new homes, new doctor surgeries, extra places in hospitals, school places you're going to need. And that's a very big cost. And we've often fallen behind making that provision available. Mm. So it's not even fair on the people coming in because you're saying to them as well, uh, we're having difficulty keeping up with all this demand, and so we don't have the great facilities we'd really like you and others to share who've arrived legally. Exactly right. Now, you've tweeted um, in the last few hours, UK economic policy should have, should have two aims, get inflation back down to 2% target, get growth up to 2%. The government needs to help the bank get inflation down by raising public sector productivity and helping reduce supply shortages with more domestic capacity. Sounds eminently sensible, John. Uh, there are times when I wish you were still in the Treasury. Well, I never was allowed in the Treasury, you know, because <laughs> I think I always disagreed with quite a lot of the orthodoxy there, uh, because the Treasury over my adult lifetime so far has put us through an awful lot of boom and bust cycles, which they could have avoided. Mm. So I've often found myself in disagreement with them. But yes, I think we need a growth target and 2% a year, um, or maybe we could do a little bit better than that would be good. We haven't been quite managing that. Uh, and 2% inflation, which is the, the target. But the point I'm making, Mike, is that I think the inflation target has got to apply to the Treasury and government as well as to the Bank of England. I think the, the myth has built up that we've got this independent central bank, they do the inflation and they can keep it at 2%. But in order to keep inflation at 2%, I'll get it back down there now, you need a load of policies that are going to work. For example, you're going to need a lot of increased capacity for domestic food supply and domestic energy supply, that all requires investment. 
Uh, and that requires government engagement, at least to have the right kind of tax structure and welcome for footloose capital that might help us. Uh, but it may also require government schemes in the case of food. I mean, I'd like to see an agricultural policy that promoted food production rather than just an agricultural policy that, that promoted getting out of farming and turning many more places into wildland. Mm. Now, I get the bit about trying to get inflation back down. Um, how do you raise public sector productivity? Because that is a really interesting one. Yeah, because that has been the big disappointment over the Labour and the Conservative years of this century so far. And if you take the really big one, the health service, you know, I'm I'm with lots of people in saying I think we do need more, more nurses, more doctors. We need to get more operations, more treatments through the system, and they need to be properly rewarded. But there's an awful lot of overhead and many layers of management and all the rest of it. And I think the, the Treasury has got a big task to to work with the Department of Health and say, well, we're very willing to carry on increasing the money going into the health service, but we want results. We want to make sure that that money is going to the frontline workers and to the treatments and to the operations we need to clear the backlog and is not disappearing somewhere else uh, in the way that it seems to in some cases at the moment. Yes, I think that is really the problem, isn't it? Because we're still hearing stories, John, incredibly, and you may be closer to this than we are, a lot of civil service departments still with many people working from home. You know, lots of empty rooms, lots of empty office spaces. You know, that's not good enough, in my view. Well, certainly um, they need to look at that because if it is agreed that people can work from home more often, uh, then you should need less office space, shouldn't you? And so then there should be savings on, on the office estate. And I think there's a lot of that kind of economy that can still be worked through. Maybe we, we have too many administrative civil servants in some areas, so we need to look at staffing ratios and whether we can give them more technology to help them. And then we need to look at where they need to be. If they can work from home, it may be a cheaper option for the state as well as a better option for them. Mm. But if they're going to do that, there's got to be a saving. Um, there needs to be a reduction in, in the very expensive central London office space, for example, which is a big burden on the state at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I find it extraordinary that every time you look around London, there's still loads of buildings going up. I mean, I don't know, I don't know who's going to be occupying them. Well, I mean, there's still going to be a demand for offices, and I think uh, people will return more to offices uh, over time. Um, I think the COVID shock will, will wear off a bit. But it does look as if private sector as well as public sector is going to go over to a new model of working where not that many people go in five days a week, nine till five, and, and want the commuter services that the trains used to provide to do that. I think it's really a revolt against the commuter services. I think that's what's put people off. Mm. Uh, and when they had the chance to work at home and their employer, state or private, gave them some technology to do so, they thought, well, this improves my life if I don't have to get on the train every day and go to the office. Yeah. And I mean, the problem. Um, so then you've got to adjust the office costs somehow. Otherwise, we're spending an awful lot of money on an overhead we're not using properly. Well, I'm quite surprised that this Treasury that we spoke of earlier hasn't come up with some way of taxing people who work from home slightly more than those who don't. Well, don't suggest that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to get tax rates down I know. so that we can grow the economy faster and let people be a bit happier. But and you is... do need to allow people enough of their own money to spend to create jobs for other people. That's how the economy works. And that's one of my criticisms of the current economic strategy uh, that I think we're putting into many tax rises. Yeah. And so people will have less money to spend on discretionary things. So not only will they be less happy, but there will be less of that additional kind of employment. And then the state may not, may not spend the money as well as the well, private sector it. does. You know, that's the problem. I mean, I remember the great old days of Ronald Reagan and Reaganomics and the trickle-down theories and all of that, and the point about having more of your own money to spend because you can spend it more intelligently than the government can. And I would like to go back to that. I've got a, a tweet here, John, from a, a listener who says, I've just got my first energy bill today on my new tariff, £174 from £38 a month. Please get fracking done if it will bring the bills down. I mean, that's an extraordinary rise, isn't it? I don't even want to work out the percentage, but it's horrendous. Yeah, I hope we're not all facing that. But yeah. yes, there will be some big rises depending on when the the prices were last reviewed. And there does seem to be a big jump in standing charges uh, in addition to the obvious pressures of the gas price. Mm, exactly. So no, I, there I would say that I think the Chancellor should suspend VAT on domestic fuel to make a, a modest contribution to getting the bills down and, and say, well, he will um, resume VAT on fuel 
if and when the gas price falls to a certain level and, and it's a bit more affordable again. Absolutely right. Finally, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the big news of yesterday. Uh, Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson, both in receipt of penalty charge notices. Uh, I said yesterday this is not the time for him to go. Um, Rishi Sunak, on the other hand, uh, looks like a bit of a, a wounded uh, beast at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, most Conservative MPs, which for this purpose is the group of people that matters, have all decided, as I have, that it's certainly not a good good idea to uh, want a leadership election at this very moment when there are difficult issues on the cost of living, when I think we need a, a change to economic policy from the existing team, uh, and when the Prime Minister is obviously deeply engaged in European politics and, and the awful Ukrainian war. And that is the mood of the Conservative Party backbenches. Uh, and so um, we're all very relieved that the two gentlemen concerned have apologised profusely and just accepted the police judgment. And they've made their own explanations uh, of why they didn't think they were attending a party and how events turned out as they did. Mm, absolutely. Boris Johnson leads you into the local elections. Are you still hopeful that that won't be a problem? Well, it's certainly what's going to happen, and I, I hope we do well. And I'm obviously supporting him and, and encouraging people to take a positive view, because I think the alternative is an awful lot worse. Yes, I think there's probably no doubt about that. John, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. So John Redwood, MP uh, for Wokingham, of course, saying we need to get inflation back down to 2%. We need to get more productivity in the public sector. Uh, we also need to fix some of the private sector companies that aren't doing their business well at the moment either. And I'm not just singling out the airline industry, but the airline industry in particular seems to be pretty awful at it. 0344 499 1000. Lots going on this morning. Boris Johnson coming up very shortly uh, with his unveiling of the Rwanda plan for illegal immigrants. We'll bring you that next. Talk radio. Open discussion. Healthy debate. Talk radio. Listen. Digest. Repeat. Understand. Smart people, smart speaker, smart TV. Talk radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are waiting patiently for Boris Johnson. He will be addressing the nation very shortly uh, with his plan uh, to uh, basically send all illegal migrants, men in particular, to Rwanda. Uh, a deal is going to be signed, a £120 million trial for processing asylum seekers in the African Republic. It's 4,376 miles away, uh, according uh, to the front page on The Times. Uh, the good thing about this idea, I think, is that at least he's doing something now. We've had Priti Patel promising for ages something should be done. But the point is, um, there is absolutely no uh, point in setting up a scheme if, in fact... It doesn't work. That's the bottom line, is it not? Richard's in Manchester. Richard, a very good uh, morning to you. Hey, Mike. Uh, this is uh, great news for the 17.4 million people who voted to come out of the EU. And as you know, the main reason was the uncontrolled immigration. The EU was saying we... We had to take, we had to take whatever numbers we were being thrown at. And, of course, it played into the hands of all the do-gooders, of all the ones in, the, in, in all parts of government uh, who were against uh, the, the, the new laws. But Rwanda's not very far away, a few thousand miles. Process them there, and then they can return home if they're found to be illegitimately applying. Um, and we, we've got... We spent 10 years, Mike, and you were in the fight. You should be in the government controlling this and getting it for the people of England. 17.4 million people voted for this, yeah. and it's good news. And I don't think Priti Patel uh, has, has had a free hand in getting where she is because of the uh, Blair's laws on uh, human rights, which is overtaken everybody. Everybody knows what's been going on, so I expected a wait, but not as long as this. But well, like the that. thing is, I mean, I'm pleased that something's being done. I mean, two of our great supporters uh, uh, of our not only our radio station, but also uh, our, the Independent Republic, both Richard Tice and Ben Habib, both of them are not very keen on this particular idea. They're saying that they don't think it's going to work. They're saying Priti Patel hasn't really ever managed to get anything done properly. But this seems to me to be a bit of a, a step change, Richard, doesn't it? It seems like a better idea than anything they've ever had before. 
You've done a bloody marvellous job, Mike. I know it was hard work for everybody, but if this is the first rung that we're climbing on now and we can get control of immigration, that means we can control the hospitals, that means we can control the schools, that means that my grandchildren's children, when they are born or whenever I'm taken off this earth, they can have a decent life again. The hospitals and everything else, and Mm. any reasonable, ordinary person in this country and in the world will say that immigration, the way it has been done and handled, has been an absolute disgrace for the whole of Europe, not just for Britain. Mm. And we are fighting back. And I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry that it's taken so much of your time and everybody else's to come to a sensible conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. Richard, well said. Let's talk to Colin, uh, who's in Brentford. Hi, Colin. Good morning, Colin. Are you there? No sign of Colin. Richard Tice has basically said this. The government's spin on channel migrants to be sent to Rwanda. I heard it all before from this Home Secretary. Most unlikely to happen. Lefty human rights lawyers will prevent it. The government still cannot pass the Nationality and Borders Bill, despite an 80-seat majority. I think we might have Colin now. Hi, Colin. Yes, hello, uh, Mike. Just uh, just to mention that uh, all these people that are pouring in across the uh, the channel, I have never heard of any of them queuing up upside a, uh, a food bank. They get 50 quid a week, plus uh, an Oyster card, yeah. a SIM card, clothing, dentist, NHS. None of them have ever paid a cent into it. However, they are complaining all the time. What about us? Yeah. I know. Well, this is the thing. I mean, these people have been coming here now for a considerable period of time. Uh, It's been ramped up last year to 28,000, which is approximately the size of a town like Hailsham in in Sussex, which is quite a a medium-sized good town in uh, in Britain. You know, we can't continue to just have people coming in. And by the way, I've always said this, and I know from talking to people down there uh, on the south coast, um, there's many more people coming in than we know, because a lot of them don't even see border force. They just come into the to the beaches and they walk into the town never to be seen again that's right that's right but also they're fed and how to go they don't have to worry about a heating bill they don't have to worry about a gas bill or water bill everything no. is provided for them. the question the big question is most of the people in this country who work do not have 200 quid at the end of the month of disposable income yeah they're broke they live from paycheck to paycheck these guys and 90% of them are young men of fighting age. Mm. 90%. Yes. And they're coming in from many countries which um, have crossed, you know, the, many countries that they've crossed before they get even to France. You know, and the idea that I heard a human rights lawyer on this morning talking about how, well, the thing is, you know, we take a lot fewer migrants than lots of other European countries. Well, so what? France is a much bigger country, much less populated, as is Germany, uh, as is Spain. Almost every European country is bigger than ours. Uh, so maybe they should take more. But the point is this, you know, I don't agree with this kind of Western heart beating kind of, you know, we must take our fair share of people from other countries. Well, why? I mean, I'd quite like to go and live um, in Piers Morgan's house in Beverly Hills, but I don't think he'd fancy that very much. So he probably would say, no, I don't have a right to go there anyway, do I? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And also, none of these guys are skilled. When they come here, they don't have studying guilds. They don't have corgi. They yeah. don't have anything. Yet they come and work on our appliances and invalidate our insurance. Well, hang on. I Nobody, don't know about that. Nobody. I don't know. No, listen, hang on a minute. I don't know about that, Colin. What I do know is that whenever I ask any politician who is in charge of the immigration situation, they never know what happens after they get moved into hotels. Because I asked, I asked the guy uh, whose name I forget. He's an MP from Kent who was in charge of the migration committee. And I said, how long do they stay in these hotels? And he said... Oh, just a couple of days, which I know and you know to be complete and utter balderdash because at the end of the day, they stay there for months and months on end because people that live near those hotels tell me that. So, you know, we've got to change the system and it's got to be changed now. And I think that at least this plan will be taking us in the right direction. Colin, I'm going to let you go. Thanks very much indeed. We're waiting basically for uh, Boris Johnson to take to the stage, uh, to take to the lectern. I'm not sure whether he's doing it in Downing Street. What I do know uh, is that Pretty Patel is actually out in Rwanda and she is actually going to meet with the Foreign Minister of Rwanda. They're going to do a signing ceremony at around about 11.30 this morning, about an hour from now. Uh, We're then going to see some kind of press conference with Pretty Patel because there are a lot of questions to be answered about this. For example... Will the people who have sought asylum here since, I suppose, what, beginning of last year, will they also be sent for processing? 
to Rwanda because one of the things that we do know uh, is that the processing system itself is hopelessly slow, it's hopelessly uh, cumbersome, and it means that people can be here sometimes for years and years and years waiting to find out whether their asylum application has been successful. And if it's not successful, then... Uh, they get to go again and they get to appeal and they get another human rights lawyer to say, oh, well, you know, the thing is uh, they can't go back to their homeland because they'll be persecuted or perhaps tortured. I've already heard uh, some charity uh, woman this morning talking to Julie Hartley Brewer saying, oh, Rwanda's a torture nation. They shouldn't be sent there. And if they do fail in their application to join uh, the British uh, public and become a citizen of this country because they can seek asylum, that's one thing. But what if they don't? What if they fail? Where will they go then? Will they stay in Rwanda or will they be shipped back to the country from which they came or will they be sent back to France? Nobody seems to know the answer to all of these questions. But I'm pretty sure that the way things are going, more people will be happy with this decision then we'll be unhappy. We'll always hear from, you know, the lefties who think that we're all racists and that the reason for this is it's all to do with racism. It's nothing to do with racism. You cannot have a situation where the population of this country gets boosted by somewhere between 20 and 50,000 people a year illegally. We know, for example, that over the course of time, legal migration uh, is an awful lot of people as well. And again, Nobody has a problem with that. People want to come to this country to work, to make money, to make a better life for themselves. That's fine. But if they come here illegally, they must not be allowed to stay. It's as simple as that. Helen Dale will be here later on. She'll tell us about the Australian experience because, of course, they did this in Australia. And again, the lefties say, oh, but it cost an awful lot of money. Not true. It didn't cost as much money as it did housing them in hotels as it is now. Five million pounds a day. I don't think anybody thinks that that is a worthwhile use of taxpayers' money. And as long as that is the case, and as long as people will be brought to hotels, given food vouchers, given money uh, to walk around the towns, given the ability to live here while their applications are being dealt with, then of course they're going to continue to come. Of course people are going to keep getting on dinghies from France. We're told it's a very perilous crossing. And yes, there have been some fatalities. And yes, it has been difficult. But it wasn't as difficult as trying to get to Australia, which was much more perilous. I'd have to say that. I want to hear from you all, though. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. Let's talk to Phil, who's in Hertfordshire. Hello, Phil. Good morning, Mike. Morning. Good morning, sir. Mike, what can uh, I do just, for you? I'm just ringing up to say, we were speaking earlier about people still working from home. Look, that's all well and good. As soon as they can still provide the service and the quality, that we had before. Yeah. Um, because obviously we listen to people of the DVLA and the passport service. It's actually on the floor, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, totally. It's probably, in the, it's probably in the garden somewhere. Uh, what you know, if we could get the same standard of service, the same quality, the same productivity, where's the, there's not really a problem apart from the local coffee shop that's not going to get the sort of trade anymore, is it? The trade well, yeah, but I think that's a bigger there. issue than, than, than you know because there are still plenty of places in, in central London that have never reopened, right? Now, you might say that that's just par for the course and it's just the way things go, but there's restaurants that have never reopened, there's pubs that have never reopened, there's shops that have never reopened because the footfall just hasn't been there. Now, it's beginning to come back now, but that might be too late for these people and these businesses. And, and, you know, if people have to start another business as a result of other people working from home, then that's not saying much about the community, is it? No, it's it's not at all. But the point I'm making is, if that is the way it's going to go, and we can't re-establish these businesses, at least we can have some quality from the people that aren't going to work from home. You know, we can't be, can't be lose-lose, can it? No, we no, don't. I get that, but I'm, I'm unconvinced. I mean, I, I, I know there's lots of people who think that this is a good thing and it's a better way of living and people are less stressed out and all of that. And I, I take that point, and some people can work from home, but there's an awful lot of people who can't. And what I, what I don't want to see, Phil, is a kind of class divide going on, whereby, you know, all those people that work from home have got nice white-collar, middle-class jobs where they can, you know, work on their laptops and have a nice time, get to make a nice sandwich for themselves, sit in the garden when the weather's nice, all of that. And then the only other people outside are all driving around in vans, delivering things to their house, you know, having to do their jobs because they can't work from home. And then you get sort of a, a two-tier society, effectively. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I can't work from home, Mike. I'm an engineer. Right. So I'm, I'm all out driving around. But I invariably sometimes have to ring up um, site manufacturers for, for technical advice. And I have been on that this evening. Oh, sorry, we're working from home. We haven't, got, we haven't got the capabilities to sort of give, give you an answer. And what I'm saying is, well, you should do. You know, you should, if you're going to do that, you've got to put that extra effort in to provide them with that service so they can do it. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right, Phil. Thank you very much indeed. Phil uh, saying, look, there's nothing wrong with people working from home. But the problem I've got here uh, is that the civil service is particularly rife 
with this particular problem is what I'm saying, because it seems as though certainly what we do know is that the Foreign Office was pretty much AWOL during the whole uh, Afghanistan crisis. When people were being evacuated from Afghanistan, there was hardly anybody working actually in the Foreign Office physically. Right. Some of the ministers were all away on holiday. Now we've got the Home Office. Now, I can't believe that the Home Office will in any way help Priti Patel to do the things that she wants to do. Because let's face it, what we do know uh, about Priti Patel is that she's not very popular, certainly within the civil service. She might be popular in the Tory party. She might even be popular in Downing Street. But she's becoming less and less popular with the public because she hasn't been able to do the things that she's promised to do. And we're still waiting to make sure that something happens on the immigration front to stop people from simply pitching up on boats, on beaches in southeast England. There doesn't seem to be an end to it, does there? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, Mike, Ray Rwanda says in, uh, says this uh, uh, t- uh, texter, uh, same old Labour. They don't just get it, do they? Lucy Powell I'm talking about. They should support the plan and try to stop this illegal immigration. We have a cost of living crisis and people are struggling to live a basic normal life. Yet we are paying billions to house and feed illegal immigrants. I believe that's immoral. Uh, and Barry in North Yorkshire says this. I look forward to the launch of Talk TV. Well, indeed, so do I. Judy says, morning, Mike. John Redwood for Prime Minister. Calm, sensible experience and a safe pair of hands. Absolutely right. Well, listen, it's not that difficult and it's not that easy uh, to say exactly when um, Boris Johnson's going to be speaking this morning because we were expecting him at 10.25. Maybe he's still uh, happily putting together the uh, the actual announcement that he's going to make because there will be a lot of questions. Exactly when uh, will these flights to Rwanda start? Exactly how many people will be sent on them? Uh, if there are families arriving and the men are going to be sent to Rwanda, what happens to the rest of the family? Do they get allowed in? All sorts of questions, all sorts of answers we'll try to get from Boris, uh, who is currently in Kent, about to speak apparently in Lid. Uh, we'll come to that as soon as we can. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Thanks, Boris Johnson, Prime Minister. Uh, speaking there. We'll hear from uh, some of the answers he gives. But first of all, before we get that, uh, go to any more of the answers that he's going to be giving to uh, the media. We've got David Wooding with us, political editor of The Sun, on Sunday. Uh, David, quite a remarkable speech in many ways. I mean, somebody just put out a tweet saying it's as if he's been listening to your show, Mike. He's been saying all the things that you've been saying for <laughs> absolutely years and years and years. But, I mean, it is a, uh, uh, it is a big step, isn't it? I mean, people have been saying do something about this for ages. Finally, they are. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in that speech, there was a, a huge chunk at the beginning where he was laying the, the foundations to, to show, to undermine all the criticism he's going to get about being lacking in compassion, lacking in humanity, uh, sending these people to a, um, a dangerous place. He showed us it's a safe place with a growing economy and it's only there to disrupt the uh, the business model of uh, of the uh, people traffickers. So uh, quite a detailed speech there outlaying, uh, out, outlining all the uh, the reasons for this action. Yes. And from what you know, David, obviously they've been talking about this for a while. Nobody was terribly sure if they were going to do it. They looked at- Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Albania, um, they looked at Rwanda before as well. How long do you think they've been in the preparation stages for this? Well, we caught wind of this in October and ran an exclusive story mm. saying that Albania and Rwanda were being looked at and uh, lots of the rival papers um, uh, poo-pooed the they idea. They all rubbished it, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they did. Um, but we're used to that. Um, but uh, yes, um, then I, I caught wind 
arrived on uh, on Tuesday morning that this trip was was underway, um, and, uh, and and there it is. Yeah, we've got we've got a Priti Patel out in Rwanda um, uh, signing that deal, and the Prime Minister today outlining it. Now, look, people have been saying for weeks, "What are you doing about this migration?" We've even had the Labour Party endlessly criticising the government over the migrant boat crisis. There's nothing, as the Prime Minister outlined today, that, that the government can actually do. They can't turn people back at sea. They've tried to do a deal with the French to stop them coming over. The only other option is just to let them come over and give them all jobs and homes and, and let them land illegally or, in fact, um, you know, go and, go and fly them over safely. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the, this is the this is a this is a concerted action. Priti Patel's been working hard on this. It's taken a lot of criticism for failing to get to grips with this. So anybody tries to stop uh, or oppose this, it will just be seen as you know. Well, you, you don't really want to stop this at all. You just. Um, you're just criticising it for the for the sake of it. Absolutely right, David. Uh, we'll just ask you to hold there for a second. We're going to go back to Boris. He's answering some more questions at the moment. Darren Kent, uh, ITV. Thank you, Prime Minister. Uh, Prime Minister, the people you're talking about say they are fleeing persecution, and they often come from countries where there are no safe routes here in the UK. Why are you sending them with one-way tickets to a country where there are reports of ill-treatment and torture in detention centres, and that your own government criticised last year for failing to investigate these alleged human rights violations? And a quick question, because I'm not patient enough to wait, so I hope you will answer it, but on Tuesday, you've admitted that you unknowingly misled Parliament. I just want to understand if you're going to put the record straight. Yeah. Uh, thanks. So on, on the, uh, the, the second point, again, Anushka, forgive me, uh, you're going to have to wait until uh, I, uh, I come to Parliament. I, of course, I will uh, set the record straight in any way that, uh, uh, that I can. But on the, um, your point about safe and legal routes, I, look, I, just, I just think it's crucial for people to understand that the UK is very, very generous, and we should be proud as a country of what we do to welcome people. Uh, 185,000 just in the last few years. And uh, it's not just the people who came under op pitting uh, from Afghanistan. Uh, we're opening our arms to, to more. Uh, what we're doing uh, with the, the Ukrainian scheme is two uncapped uh, systems of uh, looking after people coming from, from Ukraine. Uh, this is a country that is built on successful uh, immigration uh, by safe and legal routes. But what we're trying to do is to buttress that, to, to, to shore it up in people's uh, imaginations, to make sure that people believe in it and trust our immigration system by cracking down on the illegal approach and, uh, and on the, the people smuggling. And I just want to say something about Rwanda because I think there's a risk of, of stereotyping here. And uh, it, uh, Rwanda has, is totally transformed uh, over the last uh, few decades. It's, it's a very, very different country uh, from what it was. And we are making sure uh, that we have uh, a very, very high degree of confidence about the way uh, people will uh, be received in Rwanda. We're today publishing uh, a, a long uh, memorandum of understanding between the UK and Rwanda about, uh, about how they will be received and, and treated. And this is not something that we have uh, put together overnight. This has been uh, nine months in, uh, in preparation. So I would just urge people, you know, not to, to think in a blinkered way about, about Rwanda. There w and there will be, I, I think that this is the uh, prototype of a solution to the problems of global migration flows that uh, is likely to be adopted by other countries. I know that there are other European countries that are already in, uh, in similar discussions, not just with uh, Rwanda, but, but others. Billions of people are going to be moving across the, the face of the planet. Uh, we need sensible partnerships to address those, uh, address those flows. Theo Usherwood of, of LBC. Prime um, Minister, last year, uh, more than 28,000 migrants crossed... Let's go back uh, to David Wooding from uh, The Sun on Sunday. David, um, he's fighting these uh, criticisms about Rwanda uh, being a particularly ghastly place for uh, people to be sent. I mean, I think people are talking about the old Rwanda rather than the current Rwanda, aren't they? Yes, uh, Rwanda. Um, okay, there's been questions raised about the uh, um, the, the leader Paul Kagame, but um, it, it, he he insists it's a very safe country. I've been out there myself. I went out with the um, 
with the, with David Cameron when he was leader of the opposition. Yeah. And the, remember, the Conservatives were trying to do some outreach work out there. And they, yeah. they were building schools and so forth. It's now the fourth fastest growing economy in the world. They need migrants. They, they've got a very it's young It's a tourist population. destination as well. Yes. And then, well, Arsenal... Uh, have, have a sponsor the right. Rwanda visit Rwanda on their uh, on their football. Mind if you're an Arsenal fan, you'd probably yeah. be happy to go anywhere but uh, North <laughs> London, wouldn't you? At the moment, <laughs> they don't do Europe, so maybe Africa's the place. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> but, um, but but yes, um, you know, the idea is that if 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 you come over here and you think you can start what you want to start in your life in a safe country. They'll send you to a safe country, 5,000 miles away from Britain, and you can go and uh, set a new life up there because that's where they want more, yeah. more migrants. Now, if, you, if you're an economic migrant, you, otherwise, if you want to do it in Britain, you have to apply it uh, legally through the processes. Uh, and if you're, a, if you're a, a refugee fleeing persecution or war, our doors are open to you. That's basically what the prime minister is saying. Um, those who, the, the, the problem, part of the problem is not just... The, the the French, um, it, it's the the success of the government's action at Dover in 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 these scanners on on lorries. That that is the crackdown on the lorries has led to people taking more desperate action to get in illegally via the boats, and these criminal gangs are making a fortune out of it. And when they land here, of course, there's this whole industry, uh, the legal profession. Now they will no doubt kick up a fuss because they they earn a fortune out of this out of our taxes, usually on legal aid, mm. where they, they, they do lengthy appeals, which go on for three or four years, claiming all sorts of uh, human rights abuses uh, by removing them. For instance, they formed a relationship here and they have a right to a family life and, uh, or a right to, um, uh, the, or, the, or that they, they, they claim they're from a different country and they'll be persecuted because of their sexuality or something when they return. Often these are uh, fake um, uh, defences, but but they're kicked out by one court, then they go to an, they go back to another court, and they take it all the way through the courts. Well, basically, it's a it's a system for making money by the lawyers, and it's a system for for uh, prolonging the um, uh, the appeals and keeping them in the country. And of course, by the time they've been here three or four years, they just vanish off into the uh, into the black economy. Well, that so, is one of the other worries, I suppose, because since he's announced this morning um, that people who have been here since January will also be rounded up and, and shipped off to Rwanda, um, mm. they might suddenly find that when they go looking for those guys in the hotels they put them up in, they're not there. Yes, uh, well, that, that will be a problem. And, and we've had thousands of uh, people coming over by boats already. I think there have been 5,000 this yeah. year, and, and there were 600 in one day this week. Uh, so, so, yes, um, th th there's loads of, loads of these people coming over. And, you know, th there's public outcry about this. There it's, really it's is. raised on the doorstep. Mm. And Labour voters as well don't like it. Um, but but Labour don't seem to come up with a, a solution to it. They, they they they'll object to this along with the lawyers and of course the Liberals and the, the middle classes who aren't affected by this or, or, or worried about it in any way because they they live in in nice big houses. So um, yeah, it's um, it is an issue that uh, um, has been on top of the agenda and and Pretty Patel. Her popularity has collapsed. She is rock bottom of all the Conservative uh, cabinet ministers right. because of her failure to deal with this. It's not because it's not because she's dealing with it. If she dealt with it, then maybe she'd be a bit more popular. Well, that's right. And also the problem for her has been that she said she's dealing with it and she's come up with all manner of different ideas, such as paying the French a bucket load of money, putting more patrols on the beaches of Normandy. You know, there's been one thing after another that's supposedly going to be stopping them. And in fact, more, more people than ever have come ever since since her sort of uh, her attempts to, to prevent them. Yes, and, and and people have said, you know, if Pretty Patel can't stop this, then there's nobody else with the determination to do it who could do a better job. And that just shows what a difficulty that she and the Home Office face in this case. And, of course, the Prime Minister almost also uh, hinted that he expects the legal profession, the activist lawyers with political motives and money-making motives mm. to, to oppose this in the courts. Um, so this is not actually just going to happen straight away. Mm. This will probably face the same uh, um, re um, resistance that they've faced with every other 
uh, measure that they've tried to uh, impose. Yes. So we'll see where this goes. And physically speaking, how would it work, do you think? Because obviously most of the, uh, the migrants arrive in the southeast corner of, of the UK, uh, so it would make sense, you might think, to have uh, aeroplanes waiting on, on some private airstrip somewhere down there. I mean, he's in Lyd, I think, at the moment. I mean, there is a... I don't know if you can put a big enough plane into Lyd Airport, but I know it's where Paul McCartney used to fly out of because he lives down there. Um there's going to be presumably a bit of infrastructure that needs putting in. Who's you know which planes are they going on? Are they commercial planes? Are they are they you are they army planes? What? Well, I was thinking that I was thinking the same question. That if I was at this press conference, I'd have been asking that question. I'm sure somebody uh, will be sharp enough to ask that question. But when they land, if you stick them into some kind of temporary accommodation for for a week while you're while they're going to be stuck on a plane, they, they will no doubt vanish, or the lawyers will get their claws into them. So yeah, they'll need to to round these people up quickly and get them on planes and and over to Rwanda to be dealt with. Um, once that message gets out, one. <laughs> The, the, the game plan, I suspect, is that the message will spread that uh, you're risking your life in a in a little uh, rubber dinghy, which which could sink and cost you your life, uh, to end up five thousands of miles further away from where you want to be. Yes. So um, I think that's the idea to to disrupt that business model mm. and to, to to act as a big deterrent to coming here. Yes, exactly right. And he clearly wants to try and stop them coming rather than actually send them to Rwanda. I mean, that's clearly you know the aim of all of this, isn't it? He's not interested in sort yes. of shipping people around the world in some kind of weird exchange scheme. He really would rather yes. they didn't come in the first place. Which I think we would all rather, you know. Um, but if, you know, they want to apply to come here in some way, shape or form, people say they need a, a, a more regular way of doing that, which apparently they can't do. Yeah, and some people will no doubt talk about the cost, £120 million deal with, with Rwanda of getting people there. But look at it another way. It's costing something like £5 million a day to keep these illegal immigrants in hotels. Well, I know, ridiculous. Um, and, and, that, and that's before you start to look at the money we spend on paying for their, their living allowances, um, uh, any medical treatment, putting put in, put in um, uh, any education if they brought kids with them or whatever. Um, and it, 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 it's, a, it's a spiraling uh, bill. Um, and it's, I think it's borne by something like a, only a third of local authorities where, yeah. where these people end up. So it, it is, it's going to cost us whatever way we deal with this. Yes, I uh, think so. And, 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 and let's, let's just make one other little point here, Mike. People voted. One of the reasons people voted uh, for Brexit was to take back control of a number of things, one of which was our own borders and our immigration system. And the government, since Brexit was voted for in 2016, six years ago, Mike, we, we haven't taken back control of our borders. We've stopped free movements of Europeans coming over here, but they've got this flow of people coming over on boats, um, it, 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 just making people think, well, what was the point of that? So the government really does have to deliver on this. Yeah. And, um, and this, it's a massive this issue, isn't it? It really is. I mean, yeah. for everyone outside of London, uh, you know, the sort of Ramona Brigade, who seem to think that, you know, Britain is a country where loads of people can come no matter what, and it won't have any effect on them. Uh, well, it does. And the Royal Navy are going to take over responsibility for tackling the uh, the channel problem as well. So it doesn't look as if the, the, they're actually doing something, which I would welcome. Yes, I, th I think it will be broadly welcomed. Uh, there will be uh, uh, there will be a lot. Uh, you, you'll switch on the BBC tonight, and you'll see lawyers. You'll see the Labour Party. Uh, you'll see the Refugee Council all criticising this, and a few a few um, um, uh, bleeding heart liberals. Um, but you know what? What else can this government do to deliver on on its promise to stop this problem? Yeah. <laughs> They're coming, as I, as I said earlier, they're coming over on these dangerous boats, putting their lives at risk. What other solution have you got to stop this uh, apart from laying on a, a ferry every day to bring them all over? and say here you go um, just just come and live in britain for if you want to there's, yes. no, there's no other solution exactly right david good to talk to you thank you very much indeed look out for david wooding in the sun on sunday coming up of course this weekend loads of great stuff in that paper uh, there's another good story about the sun this morning as well they've won a vital victory for free speech i'll tell you all about that uh, coming up very shortly uh, we want to take your calls as well 0344 499 1000 boris johnson has declared basically an end to the illegal migrant problem. He's going to ship them all off to Rwanda. The Royal Navy's in the channel. As of right now, you know, has he fixed it? I think he might just be on the right track. This is Talk Radio.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've just listened to Boris Johnson with the breaking news. He's confident that his asylum plans are going to work. He's basically saying anyone uh, who arrives here illegally uh, will be put on a plane and flown to Rwanda. Uh, also, he's going to round up all the people who have been, in, have been put up in hospital, in ho- hotels rather, since uh, they've arrived here in January from the beginning of this year. They'll all be sent off to Rwanda as well. And let's talk to Richard Taylor, uh, political commentator, our man down in Welsh, Wales, uh, who will probably be uh, applauding this, I would have thought. Richard, a very good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Mike, and uh, it's great to be on talk radio in, in a different style, different format. Looking forward to the launch on the 25th. Yes. And a huge thank you to all the team at talk radio for the last two years of having a show and a channel that speaks common sense. Listen, but, yeah, you, going on well, talk- do you know what somebody <laughs> just said to me on Twitter? Um, it sounds like Boris has been listening to talk radio for the last two years. because He's finally <laughs> doing what you've been telling him to do. Yeah, he is waking up slightly, and he even called uh, a male a male the other week as well, didn't he? So, he yeah, did. It is working, Mike. He's, you're cutting through with him. Now, <laughs> the whole thing with Rwanda, I've, I've welcomed this announcement. It's been long overdue. Prebatel has been dragging her feet for so long on this issue. Yeah. It might not be popular with the left. It might not be popular with those who are anti-Brexit. But this is a right move. On the logistics and the practical side, yes, there's questions. But we can't be bringing in 28,500 illegal immigrants coming in every year to our country. It puts huge pressure on our public services, a whole range of costs. £5 million a day just to put them in hotels. As you've already said, Mike, it's not sustainable. It's not affordable. We needed a solution. Is this the best solution? I don't know. Is it a solution? Yes, it is. We need to stop this uncontrolled immigration coming into our country because we are a small island and we can't keep up the rate of immigration that we've seen over the last couple of years. And let's face it, I mean, they have been successful in stopping so many people coming in uh, in the back of lorries. They managed to find a policy to stop that. And that was one of the reasons why, actually, more of them decided to come on boats. But what's been lacking up until today, Richard, it seems to me, is a sort of deterrent. And this will act as a deterrent. So even if it only acts as a deterrent for some people who won't want to come then that will already decrease the numbers um you know and if it's only kind of one or two boats instead of 20 then that's a a result as far as i'm concerned yeah, well, it's going to put the criminals off, isn't it? Because that's who are running these kind of illegal crossings as well. And one thing I noted from Boris Johnson's speech, which I thought was very powerful, he said it's not about lacking in compassion, it's about lacking in capacity. Yes. And that statement for me is very important because it's not that we don't care in the UK. We're the most diverse, loving countries in the whole of the world, in my opinion. I love our country, what we've done for people who are fleeing war-torn countries and we've offered them genuine asylum. You know, we're a caring nation, Mike, you know, regardless of what others may say or think. And I know the opposition, Keir Starmer, will have his daggers out now calling it uncompassionate and everything else, but we're not. But these are economic migrants that are coming here illegally, and we've let we've let them get away with it for far too long. And let, let's remind ourselves, this was a policy brought in by Tony Blair. Tony Blair, the open borders policy, which we'll probably talk about in a few moments, yeah. but he's come up with some mental statements. He really has, hasn't hours. he? I mean, he wants to bomb Russia. I mean, this is a guy... What's, what's going be, on with him? I mean, this is a guy who should not be walking the streets at all. He should be in prison, in my opinion. He's a war criminal. I mean, I, mean, I don't go as far a... as you do there, but certainly <laughs> I know you don't, advocate, I... <laughs> advocating the bombing of Russia is absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, he's the last person on God's green earth that I would take advice from when it comes to war. Uh, and uh, his, his spin doctor, or witch doctor, like they call him, Alistair Campbell, has yeah. been out, uh, rolling out his stuff as well today. I mean, look... Yeah, at the end of the day, this is a man who, uh, if you remember, supported Putin's war in Chechnya as well. You know, he lifted export licenses, I think it's by about 550%. And, you know, we supplied Russia with £135 million worth of arms for that, whatever the conflict was over in Chechnya. I don't want to discuss that. But this is a man who was very friendly with Putin at one time for the simple reason he wanted Putin's oil for, for BP, a big corporation. Well, this is the so same I mean, bloke that called Putin a breath of fresh air when he came in. You know, finally, we've got a Russian leader that we can deal with. So here's a man who's gone from loving Putin to wanting to blow him up at the Kremlin. I mean, you know, you can't trust him one iota, is my opinion, Mike. And, you know, and as again, I don't think he's, you know, he's making plenty of money. You know, he's, he's made exceptional amounts of money. I'm talking millions of pounds off the back of his career. A man who took us into a war illegally. There were no weapons of mass destruction. And now he wants to advise people on what to do on the Russian-Ukraine situation. It's absolutely absurd. Why would anyone want to listen to him? I know. But he doesn't go away, does he? He's like the proverbial bad penny. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into... <laughs> To the sort of political discourse, suddenly up pops Tony Blair with a new haircut, and you think, "Oh my God, he's been at the tanning salon again." Uh, maybe he's been getting some ideas from uh, from some weird website or other. Yeah, it seems like that, and he always pops up at certain occasions and uh, raises his voice. But look, look, 
he he's you know he played an integral part in our history as, as prime minister and he, he did some good stuff as well. I mean I, I'm not you know criticizing him to that point, but on issues when it comes to war and international foreign policy and stuff like that, it's been a disaster. I mean you know and lots of people and the public mood as well has always been that you know what he did was wrong. You know we had the biggest protest ever in London against the Iraq war. He still took us in and it's been proven there were no weapons of mass destruction. So any kind of tip of Tony Blair is not worth the penny it's written on, in my no. opinion. No, I mean, foreign policy is not really his thing, I'd have to say. I mean, he might have rejuvenated parts of the country. He might have sort of uh, modernised part of Britain, I think, which he probably did do. Um, but, yeah, certainly his foreign policy leaves a lot to be but, desired. Yeah, but what, what he failed to do, Mike, on, what, one mistake he did make was devolution. No, well, I don't, don't Well, you know, the, fun, the funniest thing about devolution, right, is, to me, uh, the, the, the main purpose of doing it was to make sure that nationalism didn't grow too popular. And look what happened. <laughs> no, he's done the opposite. Now he's and, got, and, uh, he's got uh, the Plaid Cymru sort of more or less in a, in a, in a coalition with uh, with Labour running Wales, and you've got the SNP running a one-party state in Scotland. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and don't forget, no, the, the latest thing on the Welsh Government, they want every household in Wales to plant a tree. They're going to provide yes. a tree to every household. At the summary cost of, it's only two million quid, Michael, yeah, taxpayers' nothing. money. Drop in the ocean. Two million quid, and that's going to sit. But yet, we're, they're buying in buses from China, <laughs> in Newport and Cardiff, electric buses. They're importing from China, which is emitting more CO2 than any other country in the yeah. world. But they want everyone to plant a tree. <laughs> I mean, it was pointed out to me that Boris Johnson's net zero plans have taken a bit of an ear bashing after he's decided that he's going to fly a load of planes to Rwanda and back, which doesn't seem to be entirely <laughs> in keeping with the green agenda. Listen, Richard, stay where you are. and We want to talk to you about the NHS in a minute. Uh, we're going to get some news headlines coming up shortly. Richard Taylor's with us uh, talking sense. That's what we do here at the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, of course. And don't worry if you can't see us at the moment on any of your devices on which you used to watch us. We will be back with a bang uh, on April the 25th when talk to TV launches properly. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Jeremy Kyle. Afternoon drive without compromise or comparison on Talk Radio. The art of confrontation by the original master. Jeremy Kyle. We wouldn't be here doing this unless the people out there were watching and listening to this who actually agree. Radio with a fight left in it. Go the extra mile. Drive home with Kyle. Jeremy Kyle. This afternoon from four on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. In search of the perfect debate. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're talking to Richard Taylor. Richard, a fascinating piece uh, of news coming out as we've been talking about the NHS over the course of the last few weeks. NHS waiting times, we're now told. Some care has been delayed for more than three years for dozens of people who need it um, because of the six million people on waiting lists at NHS hospitals. I mean, it just goes from bad to worse for the NHS, doesn't it? Fit for purpose, Mike. We've covered this stuff before, as you know. I mean, it, the whole thing needs deconstruction and it needs look on overall because 6.1 million people on the waiting list and, you know, the cancer operations that have been cancelled and all of this, you know, given in the backdrop as well that they said we want to protect the NHS. Well, what about the NHS protecting us? Yeah. You know, we're, we're the people who are paying for this. It's not as if it's free. It might be free to point to those who don't pay taxes. But for many of us, we're facing a massive tax hike now, as you know, increased because, uh, you know, they want, to, they want to get rid of the backlog and the waiting lists. Well, I, I've said it a couple of times, you know, if they don't get rid of the backlog in the next two years, I want a refund on the increase on my national insurance. Because why am I paying for failure? Absolutely the whole right. thing needs to be taken apart, Mike, and put back together. Again. It's not fit for purpose when you're paying senior and, you know, management, and middle management, diversity managers, 250 grand a year for what? Mm. What about frontline nurses and doctors? This waiting list, I don't think the government have got a grip to this yet. And it's a bigger crisis. And actually, we realise right now, I think it's going to get worse, not better. How about this? You can apply for a job in the NHS if you wish. I've just been sent this on Twitter. Delivery manager, hashtag COVID pass. Uh, advertising start date, 11th of April 2022. Um, salary details, 47000 up to £53,219. Based in London, 37 and a half hours a week. Not bad, eh? Well, it's not a bad job if you can get it. Now I'm going to play. Where do I play? Send me the link, Mike. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the link. Yeah, you can apply today. Maybe you can tell us how you get along. But, but, but I mean, but this, is the, the this, this is the problem. I mean, the people people who actually are in serious pain, who need serious attention. We had a guy the other day ring up to say he was told by his um, uh, A&E or in, in, in some clinic or other that he, they thought he might be suffering from internal bleeding. And they sent him away and said, make yourself an appointment with a GP. Still waiting. 
it's an absolute disaster. Mind you, we can send ambulances to the war in Ukraine, mind We're able to do that. We can afford Yeah, but they that. can't send them to, to, uh, to, to, to Bridgend. If you're in Bridgend, you can't get one. But no, it's, it's the same you're in Wales. The NHS has been in crisis even before the pandemic. Mm. I mean, look, it, the whole thing, the way that it's structured needs changing. And until a government, whoever that might be, you know, the next after the next general election, they need to get the grips of this because it's obviously not working. The usual kind of rhetoric from the prime minister is we're throwing X amount of million, X amount of billion. Throwing money at something that isn't working is not the answer. Mm. You've got to change what's because it's not working. If it's, you know, it's, it's broken and needs fixing. And when you consider those <clears throat> long time waiting lists as well, these are people who have been struggling with so much pain and difficulty. And I remember, Mike, I don't know if you know this personal story. I came off my bike during the first lockdown. I was mm. afraid to go to the hospital because I didn't want to put pressure on the NHS. Right. So I phoned 111 up and they advised me to go to A&E. I got to A&E. There was nobody there. I went straight in, did an extra on my ankle and they sent me away. I spoke to the nurse there and she said to me, it's so quiet in here, it's unbelievable. They were all outside on the park benches eating food and yeah. having a picnic. Well, people they, say that now. In hospitals. No, people say it's still quiet. Stay where you are again, Richard. We're going to go and get some news headlines and we'll be back with Richard Taylor after the news. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Listen. On DAB Plus. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. As we've been saying, uh, we have been uh, waiting for a long time for Boris Johnson to make that kind of speech. He has made that kind of speech finally. Uh, we're going to talk to Ben Habib about it coming up uh, very shortly. This is, of course, with regard to the illegal migration problem. At the moment, by the way, in case you're wondering, you aren't able to watch us live as we build up to the launch of Talk TV. In the meantime, you can listen as usual on DAB Plus and on your Talk Radio app, but the Home of Common Sense will be back on your television screens on Sky, Channel 5, Virgin Media, Channel 627, Freeview, Channel 237, FreeSat, Channel 217, plus all your connected TV apps from Monday, 25th of April. And I'm delighted to say that one of the uh, smiling faces that you will see, of course, will be one Richard Taylor, who's with us now. Uh, You can't see him, but you can hear him. Um, Richard, we were talking about the NHS and how dreadful uh, the whole situation has become. And we've just heard Matthew Taylor there on the news, uh, one of the guys that I think should be fired immediately from the NHS because he's of no use to man or beast. He's a former Blair aide, right? He used to be Tony Blair's special advisor. He then ran the Royal Society for the Arts. He now runs this thing called the NHS Confederation, gets paid a very hefty six-figure salary, about 250 grand a year and does nothing at all for the NHS. Well, no, we're not getting our money's worth. And again, this is taxpayers' money, Mike. It's, it's not free, is it? I mean, we talk about being free at the point of use, but it's not free. It's being paid for. And we are uh, we are now having to pay for this backlog that's been caused by some of the lockdown measures put in by the government. And we're all paying for it. You know, it's as I've said before, the whole thing needs taken apart and putting back together again because it's not fit for purpose. And you've been saying this for quite a long time. The stories that I hear and you do, Mike, of people constantly saying, you know, I've been waiting two months, two years. I phone my doctor up, can't can't go and see a loved one. They're still restricting how many people can go with loved ones into hospitals. Literally still doing it. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And quite literally, the NHS has become an absolute disaster. You know, I, there was a time when I could afford private health care, Mike, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when I did, it was exceptionally good. You know, when I needed, you know, I was seen straight away. And I don't well, that's understand the irony. why. That's the irony. I mean, if they can do it, why can't everybody else? Well, Farage has been pushing this for years. And he, he got accused of wanting to privatise the NHS. But there's, there's, there's an argument there that actually... We're paying for it, so we're not getting the service. But if we all went private, didn't pay our national insurance contributions, which we can't do legally, of course, because it's in law, then maybe we'd get a better service. Because a lot of these doctors and nurses, let's remind ourselves, Mike, after they finish their hours at the NHS, they're going off and working private. The the doctors, consultants, they're working in private practices because they're earning more money. Yes, but also we're kidding ourselves, Richard, if we're saying that the the NHS is not being privatised because it has been privatised by the NHS for years. People who go to the dentist have to pay unless they're, you know, on some kind of benefit or unless they're kids. Uh, you have to pay for your a prescription uh, if you're, unless again, unless you're on benefits. You know, there's all sorts of things inside of the NHS that you have to pay extra money for. So they're already making money off people. 
Well, mind you, we get free prescriptions during Wales Mine, thanks to Welsh Labour. So, <laughs> that's one well, good thing. well, that's 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 one good thing, I suppose. You well, yeah, they, but they, actually, they, I I don't think that is a good thing because in the end, it means that everybody else is paying for everybody else's prescription. So it's, it's it's an unfair tax on people. Well, of course it is, and the English taxpayer is probably picking up the bill for that as well because they're Yeah, so I'm probably paying for your free yet. prescription. It's an outrage. <laughs> I'm not having I it. I buy mine over the counter. I pay for mine. Mike. I pay for mine. But yeah, it's an absolute disaster. And look, until the government get to grips with this, it's only going to get worse. They're talking about these waiting lists getting longer. I feel it's just going to get a lot, lot worse and there's going to be a lot more horror stories. And here's the sad part, Mike. Part, Mike. How many people are actually going to lose their lives as a result of these waiting lists? Because this is about a human story here, isn't it? About people waiting oh, for, for sure. serious operations. And we've I've heard so many stories of people that have contacted me regularly on the podcast and said, Rich, it's deplorable what's happening, how I've been treated and everything else. And you can, you know, you can speak to the Primary Care Trust of England and Wales and you can complain. The complaints procedure is an absolute joke, by the way. The amount of people I know that try to complain, even try to sue the NHS. If you look at the number of cases that people have applied to sue the NHS or for libel or for whatever, they've been, you know, they've, they've been let down. Mm. It, it's very, it's minuscule. It's very small, Mike. People can't even, you know, they, there's no right to appeal against some of the decisions they've made that have led to the deaths. Look at that hospital where babies were dying, for example. How can some of these things happen under our watch? It's absolutely disgraceful. The whole thing is taken apart and someone with some sensible approach to it, who's got a business equipment as well, knows what they're doing, knows how to run something, gets on and does the job. Someone like maybe Ben Abib. Yeah, well, but funnily <laughs> enough, we're going to talk to Ben Abib, so it's a very good intro to him. He's coming next. Richard Taylor, thank you very much indeed. Everything's a little bit curtailed today because, of course, Priti Patel uh, is in Rwanda. She's arriving there to do a signing ceremony with the Foreign Minister of Rwanda, uh, all about this deal which Boris Johnson just announced. Judy says this, Hi, Mike. I would like to say to all those people who are concerned about the welfare of the illegal immigrants in Rwanda, it is not for you to worry about them. They are the ones who make the decision to travel through Europe to get to this country illegally. We all have to make decisions for ourselves, and they are doing just that. Once they know that things won't be so easy for them, uh, hopefully they'll stop coming. They have no right to be here. The sooner this problem is sorted, the better. Uh, and here's one from Adam in Kings Lynn. Best speech I've heard from a politician in years, Mike. Hopefully it isn't more impractical lip service and actually tackles the problem. No surprise Labour are condemning it. Enabling misery is what Labour does. Well, exactly right. Not only do Labour want to have um, their cake and eat it, they also want to be able to make other people's miserable lives more miserable and make other people's lives who are not miserable more miserable. Well done to Sakir Starmer and the Labour Party. The point about Boris Johnson's speech is that he is finally doing something about illegal migration, which is what he's been asked to do for weeks and possibly years by this show alone. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.